This week we take a break from our series, How Does Jesus Change My Life, to do a special two-part Valentine series. The first part is called The Search for Happiness. So many people look for happiness in a person, a significant other, the love of their life, a soulmate. We believe that the only person who can truly make us happy is Jesus Christ in a relationship with Him. We hope you'll see this, and we hope you'll join us for worship at Bellwether Church. Dear Lord, so often we look on the outside uh, to outward appearances, uh, dress, uh, who we're in relationship with or going to dinner with, where we live. Uh, But you tell us, Lord, uh, as you told Samuel as he was looking at the brothers of David, that you look at our hearts. So we pray right now to melt and cleanse our hearts. We ask forgiveness for when we err and what's in our hearts. It's all about ourselves. And just trust in the work of Christ that saves us and changes our hearts. Life in Christ is from the inside out. I pray that we know that. It's not about what we do, how we act, how we look. It's about our heart. And only you can see that continue changing our hearts continue growing the heart of this church so that it is all about Jesus how we interact and how we worship and how we go in your name we pray amen thank you all y'all can take a seat and uh, ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 1 Psalm 1 it's in the middle of your Bibles first chapter Before I read that, though, we've been doing a series called, How Does Jesus Change My Life? And we've talked about things like forgiveness, approval, suffering. Uh, We're going to take a break, a week, but two sermon break, uh, because it's Valentine's week, and we're going to talk about uh, the search for happiness today and next Sunday, the search for God. So uh, thank you all for being here. And, you know, I think this time we all think about what we're searching for in life. And it can be a person often around, you know, this week. And I think we can find happiness and I know we can find God. And it's not always where we look. So we're going to talk about it. But Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1, we're just going to read three verses this morning. You can read with me. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Stop there and we'll come back to it. Valentine's Day is really a day that's centered about being happy by one person. Uh, And and many of y'all may have that person or think you have that person and think that he or she makes you happy now and, and could make you happy forever. And 
we really celebrate that day, and it's about a person, and it's about being happy with a person. And then there are others who don't have that person. And instead of being happy, they can be down and out. They can be sad. They can stay in on Valentine's Day, you know, have the pity party, all that, or I've had Valentine's Days like that. I don't, I don't know if y'all, y'all probably had, but anyway, I've had those. And, you know, you get down and out. Often, though, you can have that day and you're married. And, uh, you know, you have the marriage and everything, but it just ain't like it used to be. You know, it is, uh, and you remember when it was blissful and it was happy and it was exciting and you took much longer lunch breaks, you know. Not that y'all know anything about that, but anyway, just <laughs> got some laughs. Okay, but you just remember when it was exciting and it was happy and now you're still married and it's like, you know, humdrum, blah, blah, blah. And you'll still do the date and you'll still do it and maybe even pretend that you're happy. And there are other, and this can be a reality too, that you, um, you know, there was that person that you missed out on and you think about them and, oh, if it could have been that way or if, you know, it just didn't, the stars weren't aligned right or that might have been my real soulmate or it's reality. You've had, you know, conversations with women and men, you know, about that deal. And, you know, we just line up that our happiness is revolved around this person that we do or we don't have. And it's often that we're, we're thinking about that this week. Now, let's talk about happiness in general, not just a person. I'd ask you all to think today, you know, are you a happy person, really? Uh, and if you would say in your mind, you don't have to Tell me you're the person sitting beside you. If you're not, then why? My grandmother, well, actually, Chris and myself, this good man named Derek Dice, he's sitting in the back. We were at the hospital uh, this week visiting a young man named Anthony Ray. He's doing great, but he had surgery. And we're sitting around with his family talking about a previous generation, like our grandparents' generation, and all the hardships that they had to live through. My grandmother tells me stories about, uh, you know, being really poor, growing up as a kid in the Great Depression. And she lived out in the country in North Mississippi and walking from her house to the barn to milk the cows and this time of year going in the snow and, and didn't have a lot of food. I mean, didn't have much at all. And then get past that, it was World War II. And I've talked about, you know, my grandmother, when she would see the car, the military car driving to a house, you knew they were giving news that a son, you know, had been killed and went through World War II. So a lot of tough times. And today, you know, we, we're not this, in this massive war and not in the Great Depression, but, uh, and we have a lot, you know, a lot more technology, which, you know, increases our friend count, at least on Facebook and Twitter. We're, we're better connected to people. And now there's so many more opportunities, particularly to travel. You know, I talked about mission trips. I've been fortunate enough to go to India twice. And, you know, used to, we probably think India, you know, like way, way out there. You know, it's a really easy trip. Uh, it's a nice trip just to give it a plug to, to get to India. And so you have travel and you have connections, and you have technology, and there are all these opportunities. You know, new businesses springing up. You know, everybody's an entrepreneur or a social entrepreneur. All these possibilities. And I'd ask, or I'd ask God to think, you know, are we a happier people and generation? And you might say yes. I did some studying as I was preparing for this, and, and general studies say that. We, this time, this epoch, this generation is less happy, is not as happy as previous generations, particularly around like our grandparents with the Depression and World War II. 
when they were going through you know, times of like hell on earth and now we have so much and we're just, we're not as happy. What does that mean? And we'll get to it. Then, perhaps it's you know, often like we see people who have made it or what we think of as mating it with success, wealth, fame, power. And you have a, a gentleman, somebody who I admired a lot, an actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, who a week ago was found drug overdose with a heroin needle in his arm. He'd won an Oscar. You know, he was just the greatest actor of his generation. Not happy. Happiness. We seek it. Can we get it? Is it elusive? Is it real? The Bible, God's Word, tells us not only is it real... Uh, We can have it, and we can have it forever. And actually, this psalm tells us it is real. We can have it, and how we can find it. So I wanted to look just at this psalm, and the book of Psalms is, uh, many of you probably know, I mean, it is a book of of love, love of God, where David cries out, uh, often in anger at God, but his love of God is a psalm of poetry, so it kind of fits around this time of year. And Psalm 1 is really an intro to, uh, not just to the book of Psalms, but really to the entire Bible, because it talks about, as I'll define a little bit more here in a bit, the gospel. And last, this psalm is very famous in the Tate household, because my wife and I got into a massive, explosive fight argument, simply trying to memorize this psalm. So, (laughs) happy Valentine's Day. Here we go. What does Psalm 1 tell us? about finding happiness, about the search for happiness. First, it tells us very simply that happiness is possible. Happiness is possible. Verse 1 says, blessed is. Just keep it real simple. Blessed is that that someone is blessed, that a man, this man, is blessed, that it's possible. Blessed is. You can be blessed. You can be blessed. This past... uh, this past Friday, I was at Parents' Day at Jack's school, and I was seeing, he's in first grade, so seeing all the kids running around and excited, parents were there, and you know, thinking about it, when we are young, when we're little, when we're kids, happiness, we think it's, it's natural, and we just, just think that's the way everybody should be, uh, that's the way we should be, and that's the way we're going to grow up to be, everybody's happy, and then we grow up. And we discover, well, not only is, is happiness natural, but, but is it possible? You know, and we have, whether it's bad things happen to us, or, or conflict, broken relationships, or loss, or failure. And we come to realize it's, happiness is not like a natural thing. Uh, you could even say hurt is more a natural thing than happiness. It's, I love... Um, end of each year, top ten lists. I'm fascinated by it, and particularly books and movies. Top ten books, and I'm like, I'm going to try to read them the next year. I mean, ten books, I mean, I can't, can't do that. But I, I might read a couple, and then ten movies, and I can always see all the movies. You know, the thing is, I watch the top ten best movies of the year, those nominated for Oscars, and they, like, always, like, get me down. Like, you know, it's just depressing. I'm like, good grief, you know, it's just, it's not... Happy-go-lucky, it's not that inspiring. One exception, I'll say, is a tangent. Great Valentine's Day movie, 
Silver Linings Playbook, love it. Filthy Language, just so you know, but great movie. And it was in the like, top ten, so I don't know. I don't know if you all going to check it out or not. But anyway, it, uh, it was one that was in the top ten. It was like a feel-good movie. But the, most of them are just they're downers. And they get all these awards or nominated. Like, why is that? Well, partly because it shows the reality of life. And, and the reality of life is there is pain. And there is hurt. And happiness is not this natural thing. Uh, but it is a real thing. And the Bible tells us, and this psalm tells us, that happiness is possible. Blessing is possible. Being blessed is possible. Now you're saying, okay, how is that? Second thing. This psalm can tell us. Happiness is found in the roots and not the fruit. This psalm talks about a tree. That the person who is blessed is like, verse 3, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Happiness is found in the root and not the fruit. You're like, okay, what are you talking about? Well, the root here in this psalm the roots go down to this stream of, of water. Jesus says living water. He offers it to the woman at the well. And happiness is found at our core, at what we're connected to, at what we're rooted to, and not at the fruit. Because, like the season we're in now, there are seasons where we don't produce fruit, where it's cold, where it's barren, where you know, it doesn't blossom. There's wintertime. There's the winter of, I talked about last week, the winter of our discontent. And then there's spring and summer where there's fruit, there's blossoming. You know, what is fruit? Fruit could be what we might say success. Success in a business. Getting a good business deal. Success in a career. Success in a relationship. A successful marriage. Having kids. Having kids who are successful. We know, you and me know, that all the times, all the seasons of our life are not going to be successful. There's going to be an ebb and flow. There's going to be fruit and there's not going to be fruit. But this psalm tells us that's not where our happiness is centered in. It says, yields its fruit in its season. That there are some seasons that aren't fruitful. And if we base our life just on the fruit, we're going to be a seesaw. Up, down, high, low. Happy, unhappy. But if we base our life on what we're connected to, what we're rooted to, the stream, the living water, then regardless of the season, regardless of the weather, regardless of if we bear fruit or not, that does not define us. That does not make us who we are. A Christian, a true Christian, a believer in Christ, it's not what happens to you. It's what you are. What you are, what you're connected to. There's an old saying two men looked out from prison bars. One saw mud, the other saw stars. What are you connected to? Is it the living water? Many of us have seasons where it's not fruitful. Is that what we base our life on? Our happiness on? Or is it the living water of Christ? Happiness is found not in the fruit, but in the root. One of the verses is going to be up on screen. 1 Peter 1.6. I highlight this because, well, I think you should pick up on it. He says, Peter says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved 
by various trials. Peter here is writing to a church. This is the particular church in Rome. And these Christians are being heavily persecuted by the Roman Empire. And he's saying, you rejoice. You rejoice as brothers and sisters are getting killed. You have been grieved by various trials and you rejoice. They're happy. Yes, there's pain. There's hurt. They're happy. Because they're connected to the water. The living water. Happiness is found deep inside. And look, when the trials come, and some of you are hitting trials now, we all hit trials. When, happy, when, when those times come, we've got to, we've got to go deep. We've got to draw forth that water. We've got to pull it out. You can do that on your own, in God's Word. You can do that in the family of a church. But I pray, I hope you have relationships that will help you go deep and not focus on the fruit, but on the, the roots. This psalm also tells us, happiness is found in where you sit and in what you delight in. It says, verse 1, this man, this blessed man, does not sit in the seat of scoffers. I want to think about your seats, okay? Think about where you sit. Maybe here, maybe you're like, I got a good seat. Maybe you're like, I don't have a good seat. Think about it at a ball game. You know, baseball, football, basketball. Got a good seat. Don't have a good seat. Think about an airplane. A long trip. Got a good seat. Seats affect our moods one way or the other. But sitting here does not mean what you might think of. It literally means where this person belongs. Where he or she belongs. And so if you're not happy here, I'd ask you, where do you belong? Who do you belong to? What do you belong to? Where do you sit? Where is your seat? Do you sit at the feet of Jesus? Sit at the feet of the cross? Where is your seat? Who do you belong to? And then it talks about delight. Happiness is found in what we delight in. And you know, I'll be honest, it says delight in the law of the Lord. I, I don't like the word law. I, you know, you see it in the scripture like law, it means you know, what we do or how we have to act. And it doesn't like bore me, it, it almost like offends me because I, I don't like the word law and rules and I think, you know, rules, schmules and, you know, color outside the lines and it's all gray and law, no, it's not what it means here. It doesn't mean law like we think of Leviticus law, okay? It means law as the law of life. It actually means the entire Bible. It means the word of life, the law of life. And so it says, his delight this happy person, this blessed person, his delight is in the law of life that we find in the Bible. You're like, well, what is that? I'd say it's the gospel. You're like, well, what is the gospel? It's that a great God, your creator, our creator, sent his son so that he could be our dad. He's a great God. He's our creator. But then he's like, I'm going to send my son so he can be our dad. It's the story of the prodigal son. My, my personal favorite parable in the Bible. You're like, okay, I know that. Let me, make it, let me try to make it real clear. What's the gospel? What's the law of life? We have three sons, and they all love Legos. Even Ethan, who's 13 months, love, love Legos. And it'd be like Linda and I saying, okay, Jack, Logan, Ethan, we, uh, we are able to give you this awesome down payment on this awesome home 
forever and ever. You're set. You're good. And we found the perfect person for you to live your life with forever and ever and ever. That will never leave you. That loves you. Will never forsake you. And they just I just want my Legos. Thanks, but I just want my Legos. Appreciate it, but no, I just want my Legos. That's how we are. That's the gospel. We got the perfect home. Awesome down payment. Paying the note right now. We got the perfect person who will never leave us. And we're like, I want my toys. Thanks, but I'd rather have my toys now. That's the gospel. Do you know that? Do you know it like that? Do you meditate on it? Do you memorize it? Do you play it? Abraham Lincoln, in I forget what speech, but he says, mystic chords of memory. And he was saying, like, we remember the good times, the happy times. And they're chords. I'm not musical, but chords. And you can play memories in your mind. Do you play the gospel? The gospel. Do you play that story? Do you meditate on it? You play it's music, it's worship. You play it. That's a happy person. It's where they sit, who you belong to, what you delight in. Not your Legos, not your toys. Your home. Your very present now home and future home. And the perfect person, Jesus Christ, who saved you. And then last, happiness is found when we seek something other than being happy. Happiness is found when we seek something other than being happy. One of the verses I want to share, Jesus says it this way, Matthew 5, 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He also says it in a more simple way. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who are willing to lose their life for the gospel will save it. I believe for for my life, honestly, and for your life, for all of our lives, every person, our number one priority, our number one priority is our personal happiness. We were talking to Jack this morning, and we were like, what is human depravity? What is sin? It's our heart crying out, me, 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 and never stopping. Our number one priority is to be happy, to make our lives happy. You know, we'll live by rules and we'll, we'll play by the rules, but if we can be happy, we'll skirt a few rules on occasion or we'll, we'll try to gray it up or we might cheat a little bit. We'll cut corners. We do that to be happy. It's our number one priority. And, and we still, we never get it. And we're seeking being happy. And then we look around the world and again, we know Something's not right. Something's not right. When somebody so successful ends up dead from a drug overdose. When the Olympics, a great idea. I love the Olympics. And it's just constantly talking about a terrorist threat. Something's wrong with the world. And we're seeking happiness. And, and we just can't get it. And there's a struggle. And it's just like, oh, what do, so what do we do? When you seek something other than being happy, you find it. The psalm says... On this law, he meditates. Meditates. As in like, he is learning it. He is trying to live by it. He's, he's memorizing it. And look, this is harder than, you know, harder than it sounds. Not just to memorize, to meditate on it. Do we take time, like five minutes at our lunch break, to, 
to pray? Not just 30 minutes of quiet time. Do we take times during the day? Do we, though, have a, like a, a reading plan? I mean, you just read through the Psalms if you're starting out. Just read through John. You have to read through the whole Bible. Are we trying to know the God? Are we trying to know to play it and live by it? That's where happiness is. And seeking His law, the law of life. Jesus says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness as the right way to live. This is the right way to live. Knowing that it's not what you do, it's about what's inside you. That Jesus has paid the price. That He's got the perfect home for you. The perfect person. You can, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you've done. Because you sit at the feet of Jesus, you can stand anywhere. You can stand in front of any person. Because you sit at His feet. Meditating, you're memorizing. Your hope is not in this world. Last story real quick. I love, some of you have probably heard this story. I've used it a lot. I love it. But the early church grew so fast from Acts and then a couple hundred years after Acts through the Middle East, across Europe. And one of the big reasons it did was the churches that would start in cities, these cities from Rome to even places like Paris, Milan, as it grew through Europe, these cities would have plagues and diseases that would hit the cities and the citizens would go out and flee into the country and the church and the folks of the church would stay. Say, this is where we're planted. God's planted us here. And they stayed and they ministered to and they, they helped heal and they loved on and they cared for and they nursed people. And then some of them caught the disease and some of them died. But the people were so profoundly affected and when they saw these Christians stay, they're like, you stayed. Why'd you stay? Their hope was not in that world. Their hope was in another world. If you hear nothing else I just said, please hear this. If your hope is not in this world, you can change this world. Let me say that again. If your hope is not in this world, you can change this world. Why? Because you don't fear anything. You don't even fear death. You've conquered death in Jesus. You can change it. If you seek something besides being happy, you'll find it. It's the peace, contentment, and joy. It's what we're going to sing about. It's blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Jesus is yours. Oh, what a foretaste. A foretaste, but yet a taste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. You're an heir of salvation. Purchase of God. God's purchased you. Born of His Spirit. Washed in His blood. This is my story. What is your story? Is it this constant search? And you're always coming up short? Is it a seesaw of happy and unhappy times? We want your story to be planted and centered in the living water of Christ. And you say, this is my story. This is what God's done. And I fear nothing here. And my hope is not here. That's why I can live with freedom and passion and vigor and glory to God. Do you have that? You need it. We need it. You can have it. In Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we seek, we search. And it is about us. It's about me. It's about the me's in our heart. And thank you that you have done this mighty work to, to flood our hearts where it can't be only about you. But it is about repenting daily. It is about coming to the altar. It is about connecting ourselves with brothers and sisters that will help us. It is about meditating and memorizing and living by your word, the law of life. 
the work you've done. I could say today, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. So if there are hearts that are searching for happiness, Jesus, melt them where they know they've come to you right now. And let us all come to you again and again for our happiness, and we will we'll find it. In your name, amen. Amen.